Today's episode is sponsored by the American Homebrewers Association. Become a part of the U.S.'s largest community of homebrewers for just $48 a year by going to unitedwedrink.com slash AHA. What exactly do you get with your AHA membership? How about a year-long subscription to Zymergy Magazine, the world's longest-running homebrew magazine? Exclusive deals and discounts at over 2,000 breweries, bars, and bottle shops across America. Discounts on brewers' publication books and merchandise. Access to a huge library of previous HomebrewCon seminars and talks. And early access to purchasing tickets to each year's Great American Beer Festival and Savor. Sign up now by going to unitedwedrink.com AHA and get a year's membership for just $48. And if you sign up now, you'll get a free gift What's that gift? I'm not saying. You need to go see for yourself. It's pretty great. Support United We Drink, support homebrewing, and support the American Homebrewers Association at unitedwedrink.com slash AHA. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the hosts, employers, families, pets, or imaginary friends. Okay, hide your eyes and count to a million. Hi, this is Dina Lang, professional radio personality, and you're listening to a bunch of amateurs on Reunited We Drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the restart, the reboot, the reanimation, the reuniting of United We Drink. Right here on unitedwedrink.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are found. My name is Mike Urevich, and I am once again a begrudging resident of Florida. I am joined by my two co-hosts of the show. First is a man who could very well be the reason for a Hard Seltzer Anonymous group being started in Broward County, and far and away, one of the top three co-hosts of this show. Here is Phil Palmisano. I'm very proud to hold that uh, number three spot down solidly. Thank you, Mike. I mean, it's better than four. Yes, it is. And when we have a guest, I'm sure I'll be... Become four. <laughs> <laughs> Don't count your chickens before you hatch. Or they hatch. You're going to hatch. Yeah, sure. Uh, as, as for my <laughs> other co-host, he can oftentimes be found taunting celebrities and politicians alike on Twitter from the comfort of anyone's bathroom and is an aspiring amateur origami sculptor. Here is Joel Codner. What can I say? I've got nothing better to do. Um, before we get into things, I would like to thank everyone who has been listening to the show through the first three episodes thus far. Uh, it really means a lot to us and an extra big thank you to anyone who has retweeted or tweeted or put on Instagram stories or whatever, shared the podcast with friends, family, and, uh, strangers alike. Uh, It is really awesome to see how uh, much response we've gotten from some of the episodes thus far. And uh, we hope to continue things like that here on the show. Um, Before we get into the news, gentlemen, what are we drinking, Joel? I am drinking a lovely Allagash White. 
uh, courtesy of you. Blow so, off. So. <laughs> Blow off. <laughs> I got one for you, Phil. Don't worry. But thank you for that, thank Mike. You. And welcome, welcome back to Florida just in time for uh, some interesting weather. Yeah, that's uh, that's been less than ideal, but uh, we're dealing with it as we can. Phil, what do you have going on in your glass? Well, since uh, National Dog Day was this past week, I am drinking Huevo. It's a barrel-aged barley wine-style ale from Cigar City Brewing Company in memory of our brewery dog, Egg, that passed away this past year. Oh. And it's damn tasty. Oh, how old was the uh, egg, 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 egg was pretty old. She was up there. That was Neil Callahan's dog. Oh, really? Um, oh. Yeah. So Condolences, she, Neil. She was a amazing, amazing coworker. Probably the best coworker I had, <laughs> and probably the one that liked you the most. She sat right underneath my legs back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes, as uh, as has been alluded to, we are in the midst of getting ready for a potential hurricane here in South Florida. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, probably Nothing later on. Nothing potential about it. It's the strongest hurricane <laughs> in modern history. I'd, I'd like to believe it doesn't exist until it actually gets here. Um, uh, that's not like true Santa. at all. I have, I've been sweating. Made for a great Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, Phil, why don't you take us into uh, talking about the news? All right. Let's, uh, let's jump let's into it. And let's not talk too much about seltzer. <laughs> uh, so you guys should be very happy this week. We have zero seltzer going on um, in the news. Um, so let's start. Uh, Mohau. Did I say that right? Mohau? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Mahu. No? I think yes. it's Mahu. 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 Um, they're on the move again. In April, if you guys remember, they increased their ownership of Avery Brewing Company up to about 70%. This past week... Uh, they increased their ownership of Founders Brewing to 90%, and the remaining 10% will stay with the founders of Founders, uh, Mike Stevens and Dave Ingbus. If I butchered your names, I apologize. Um, meanwhile, this past week, uh, a story that all three of us were sort of texting back and forth about, uh, AB InBev decided not to purchase the rest of um, CBA, uh, it, it, it was, it broke down to about 68.7% of CBA. So my question to both of you, and I'll start with Mike, are people still paying attention to purchases, partnerships and buyouts or not? And, and does it even matter anymore? I think people are certainly still paying attention to it, uh, especially when it's a big name. The platform purchase from a few weeks ago by AB, I don't think that that had as big of a blip on the radar because Platform is such a uh, regionalized brewery. And I wouldn't even know if they're classified as a regional brewery by the amount that they make. Um, a lot of people outside of the like the eastern part of the Midwest and uh, the Mid-Atlantic probably don't know who Platform is. So that one kind of flew under the radar. When you get down to talking about founders again, people are going to talk about it. And I think that it did uh, hit a chord with people. You had um, <laughs> you had people who were like, I'm never drinking founders again, who completely, I guess, forgot about the portion of where 
they had what third it was almost 30 percent purchased prior before 30 yeah yeah. and uh and then you also had a lot of people bringing back up this whole uh, uh lawsuit that is pending against them for racial discrimination by a previous uh, employee. Um, if if you're upset at a selling out of the brand now, then you I feel like you have bigger issues going on than than just founders that, that you're getting so high strung on that. As for the CBA thing, I I think that that's probably flying on a lot more under the radar than it probably should be. Um, the CBA is is a big deal, whether or not people want to believe it or not, because it's we're in this world where hype is important. But uh, the fact that they said no to that, I think that that's a big deal. Joel, I don't necessarily. Um, well, let me put it to you this way. The reaction to the platform news and the reaction to the CBA news, it wasn't as like fevered as, you know, when you see like Wicked Weed get bought out or Funky Buddha. Um, I think people are paying attention. I just feel like a lot of people are just like, yeah, there's another one. Um, I had never even heard of platform before this whole thing happened. I mean, they don't distribute here. I've never seen them on social media or anything like that. But when I took a look at their brand and everything, I mean, they have great like consistent branding across their cans i mean it, it it looked like you know a real pro brand but uh i just i had never heard anything about them and the people i follow uh didn't seem to say much about it at all it was just kind of like another one bites the dust yeah so the i and i agree with you guys i, I don't think many people are paying attention to the buyouts the way that they used to in years past um, when you look at the ABM Bev deal in particular, let's keep in mind that the deal basically stated they could purchase it at twenty four fifty per share. All right, and given the current trading price, and keep in mind we're a little bit ahead of after they said no, the current trading price is only ten dollars and five cents. So when you look at it, they were basically going to pay a premium of fourteen dollars ish. Uh, for that brand in particular. So I personally don't know if I would rule out CBA and ABM Bev in the future. Do I think that it matters at this point in time? No, I think it's a, um, a casualty of the industry at this point in time where we're looking at the way for anyone to grow past a regional level or even uh, a, a sort of hyper-local is to partner up with a larger brewery. Um, so two things real quick. Um, one, the correct me if I'm wrong, but CBA is getting money from AB for passing up on this, right? Uh, yes, they do. It's kind of like a uh, a buyout of sorts of like, oh, you're not going, to, you're not going to. Uh, tender this uh this option on the contract so you then buy out the rest of the contract kind of like thinking sports wise right i i don't know specifically what i know i saw a number like, but i can't but remember there was what it was yeah there there was something in there where it was basically they were saving x amount of million dollars to eventually spend x amount of million dollars if they needed to yeah. uh jump back in 
The other thing is, I, when when you bring up the share costs and uh, like what they would be paying uh, and what it actually is trading for, and I'm not a big like stock type of guy. I mean, those numbers make absolute sense to me. But I could see AB being like, you know what? Fucking Constellation got burnt on that ballast point deal and they've already admitted that it was probably a lost investment. We don't want to do the same thing here. It's not a billion dollars, but it's still they don't want to get burnt on something like that. And I also feel like with so many breweries now, you know, we're at 7,500, and if you include licenses pending, it's over 10,000. I just feel like people are, you know, are, aren't so attached to some of these breweries anymore, and there, there's too many options. So it's like, eh, we'll just move on to the next beer. Yeah. It just, just, just feels like a lot of indifference. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on to the next piece of information slash news. And again, no seltzers this week, but... We have a better for you category news. Um, 100 calorie IPAs or 100 below calorie IPAs seem to be the craze for 2020. Um, you guys both know Slightly Mighty jump started this like better for you, fuller flavor craze earlier this past year, hitting shelves and draft lines around the United States. That clocks in at 95 calories and 4% ABV per 12 ounces. Um, Oscar Blues released a press release about a month, month and a half ago that they would be releasing one um, at the end of September, October. It's actually getting ready to ship uh, 100 calorie IPA, 4%, and it's hazy. So it sort of plays to those hazy boys. Um, and then um, Funky Buddha announced this past week that Chant IPA would be released sometime in the near future. And that one's clocking in at 99 calories, 4.2% alcohol, and it is an IPA. Um, it's seeing that Firestone Walker has Easy Jack, Lagunitas has been playing in that daytime IPA for a while. Do you is guys Easy feel Jack a low, low cal beer? Yeah, Easy Jack is a low cal. Oh, IPA. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Because so that's been out for a while, right? Or did they reformulate it? They press released it back in April, I believe. Um, so it's been out for a little. Because I bit remember of time. that as just being a um, want to session IPA. In. Yeah, it clocks in right around 140 calories. Um, so it doesn't dip deep oh, into okay. that it's 100 not... or 99 below, but 140. Let, let's They're marketing real, it now. 140 yeah. calories is pretty damn good, considering I'm drinking a uh, barrel aged barley wine right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, when when you guys are looking at this, do you guys think this is a hot new trend, just a fad, um, something that's going to be around for a while? And then I question you guys, should the BA recategorize for a low-calorie um, IPA in the future? Joel, I'll start with you. Well, I'll first answer the second part of your question. I don't know if recategorizing is necessary considering you know, IPA or, and all the, the various styles of it have their, you know, th their window of ABV and SRM and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily think there needs to be a category separate from what are basically styles that we already have just based on nutritional info. And what I, was the first, what was the first I agree question? with that wholeheartedly. So, yeah. The but. first, the first part was, do you guys think that this is a fad or is it right. sort of around to stay? 
I think it's a fad with maybe longer legs than some others. Um, definitely people are on a big health kick right now. And I don't know how long that's going to last. I mean, we've seen what happens with diets. You know, you have Atkins and South Beach diet and keto and this and that. I mean, those things all come and go. Um, but I, I definitely think that that option will always be there for people. And I think it should. Um, you know, people like, like when I was like heavy duty dieting a couple of years ago, none of these options were really available to me. And I was cutting way back on beer just because I couldn't drink any of these locale or non-alcoholic things. You know, I wasn't going to go for, you know, duels, but I think it's a good option to have. I just don't know how strong it's going to be for how long. I uh- I, I'll first start off with exactly what Joel said about the categorization um, because low-cal beer could mean lager, could mean IPA, could mean brown ale for all we know. And I, I think we have the categories already for the specific styles of beers and they should be entered as such. Uh, there shouldn't be... It, it, how do you differentiate a, a low-cal... IPA as opposed to a locale lager, then you're judging multiple different styles within a same category. So for that, I think just stay within the category that you're intending as for the style itself. And, um, if I think it has traction or legs, I, I actually, when, um, what's it called? Slightly mighty is the dogfish head one. Yes. When when that first came out, I was really interested in trying it and had a hard time finding it uh, at, at a couple of the stores that I um, shopped at. Eventually, I found a, a mixed, uh, mixed I think, six-pack it was. With uh, that, it had uh, the uh, Sequench and the Super Goza uh, that, that I can't remember the name of in it. And I, I had the... The slightly mighty, and I was like, you know, meh. Like at the end of the day, if the if this makes me like if this is better for me by calories standard or carbs or whatnot, I, I'm sacrificing a lot of flavor because I thought that the flavor was subpar or not even not even subpar. That's that's a terrible thing to say. It just wasn't my thing. It was way too sweet. Uh, whatever monk fruit is or whatever that fruit is that they use in that uh, IPA, I don't care for it all that much. It wasn't super hoppy. Um, not my thing. I'm going to mark these a- a- at least until I try some more. And I will uh, if I if I see them and their price point's good. Um, I'm just going to mark this up with the seltzer stuff. And it's just it's just not my thing. And, uh, I tried to buy a seltzer this past, uh, or not this past weekend, uh, but the weekend prior, my last weekend in Philly, I was like, oh, we went to this, uh, rooftop bar and it's like, oh, they got a, a seltzer can. I'll, I'll order this. And, um, they're like sold out. I'm like, well, I tried. Uh, <laughs> so I just gave up there, but yeah, I'm just going to say it's not my thing. Whether it has holding power, it probably does. I would what even I- say more so than uh seltzer. What I, I would really, go ahead, go Joe. No, that's I would, fine. I was just gonna say I would really like to see these beers compete in their categories, and would love to see one of them 
do very well at like GABF or something like that. And oh, yeah, that would some, be awesome. Bring some legitimacy to that category because I feel like as long as it's – if you were to just segregate it into its own like low-cal category, I don't feel like people would – take it as seriously as IPA or double IPA or hazy IPA. So let's see what happens with it. I, you know, all these things are starting to come out. You know, we can keep an eye on the reviews and see what the reception is. I think it's a good thing for everybody. I, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I would love to see some, you know, maybe competition uh, wins and see if it, it gets, like, really legitimized. Yeah, I so sort of to take the last word on it, well, I don't think we should run in the same category as seltzers. I think seltzers need to be sort of kept separately. I think they they should sort of play in that FMB uh, fermented malt beverage category. I Joel's showing me as Allagash White right now on the camera, and I'm really uh, jealous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and as for where the BA defines them, I like sort of keeping them into the style, just like Joel said. Where we're seeing IPAs compete against IPAs, uh, you know, personally, I love daytime IPA. I really like Slightly Mighty. Um, I had the ability to sample 1E before it gets released to the public this past week, and it was great. Um, I'm really excited about it. Personally, it's it's a way for me to drink a beer and not feel 100% bad about the calories or the carbs or anything that I'm putting into my body. Plus, on top of that, I mean, shit, we're in Florida. It's hot as hell. Let's be honest. And um, it's a good way to sort of um, sort of jump into that summertime. So uh, that's that's sort of my take on it. I'd, I think the style is here to stay, though. I'd, I think better for you is always going to be around. So um, real quick, without getting into too much detail, how are you guys preparing for the hurricanes? Um, Mike, this might not be the same for you, but Joel, um, you know, how'd you prepare from a brewery side? Uh, as far as the brewery goes, we have, uh, impact windows on the front, not a whole lot else. Um, you know, it's a pretty solid building. Um, hopefully we don't lose power. We're just South of where the current prediction is as far as the cone and all that stuff. So, I think we're still going to get some wind and a lot of rain, but I'm hopeful that we do not lose power because I do have quite a bit of beer sitting cold right now. Um, and do you have backup generators or we, generator? We uh, wired the building to be generator ready. Uh, we just do not have a generator at the moment. Um, it's it, kind of a last-second decision. Uh, as far as you know, whether or not we're going to spend the money, we are closed uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, the second, and likely uh, Tuesday the third. So we'll see how it goes. That's as uh, of recording this. Exactly, and uh, you know, fingers crossed. Mike, anything? I just I I stocked up on actually. Uh, Welcome back sh- to Florida. Thank you. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, now, um, it, it's stressful. It really is when you can compound all of that along with moving from out of state back here all in the same week. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually shocked at uh, going to the grocery store was rather painless. There was no bottled water. There was no bread and there was no tortilla chips. Uh, I didn't need any of those things. So um, we were good for that and walked right up to a cash register. I have plenty of beer, which, by the way, I forgot to say what I was drinking. Uh, I'm drinking Copper Point uh, WTF, 
their uh, unfiltered double IPA. Um, Very nice. I also have a, actually, I'm just now moving on to Das Pills, their Pilsner. But yeah, it's just trying to do all of that all at the same time. It's it's frustrating. It's difficult. It's hard. And, and sometimes really uh, just tough on my mental stability. Uh, but uh, like we're trying to get through it as best as we can. How about you, Phil? When I look at it, and obviously we're looking at it from a sales perspective uh, with me in comparison to the brewing side, the brewing side back in the day when I was sort of the jack of all trades, it was a cross your fingers and pray for um, you know, the storm to pass the, the building kind of deal. Um, sales perspective, I my team's off the road as soon as it, we go into a hurricane watch or a hurricane warning. We're in a currently... As of uh, 7.35 p.m. at 9.01, um, we are in a tropical storm warning. Parts of the counties are into a tropical storm. Well, parts of the counties are into a tropical storm warning. I do have one rep that is affected by Hurricane Watch right now. Um, they're off the road. Obviously, it's Sunday, but I pull them off the road. They're going to be off the road probably Monday and Tuesday. Um but the one thing that we do is we make sure that our accounts are ready. So, you know, all all my guys are active on Facebook right now trying to make sure that all of our accounts and our good partners are um, in a good position. And, you know, I got I, last year I had a guy running around with Tapcon screws and a, and a impact driver making sure that everybody had shutters up. And, and it didn't matter if you bought beer from us or not. He was trying to go out there and help you out. And, um, you know, to that, you know, I, I try and do the same thing. This is, this is time for Florida to show up as a community. Um, and we go through this multiple times a year. Um, but this is, this is really where we shine and, and we can, I guess, brush off that, uh, stigma of being sort of a crappy state. This was a very smooth week of prep. I was very surprised people started on Monday because, you know, that's almost a week ago now and there's still gas. There's there's lots of stuff everywhere. Gas stations are getting refilled, stores I drove are getting up to a gas station today. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no lines. It, it we're lucky this storm is moving on average at like 8 miles per hour. Um the winds obviously toss it completely up, but this is a slow moving storm. It's going to it's unfortunately for the Bahamas, it's going to destroy the Bahamas and just sit on top of it for uh, quite some time. Um hopefully it picks up some speed and starts moving a little bit quicker and uh veers back out east um so that it doesn't really impact any land whatsoever. Yeah. And and once again breweries coming through offering free filtered water or RO water to everyone in the community. I th- we were doing the same at our brewery. Um, I as, as of today, I'm told we might have filled one jug. So it really goes to show how well stocked we were this past week throughout, you know, the, the town. So it, it was good that, you know, we didn't get both. I mean, we had plenty of water for everybody, but it was good that we didn't, like, you know, get hammered. It didn't seem as desperate as hurricanes in the past. Yeah. I, I think that's the coolest thing to actually call out here, which is 
Um, if you have really good local breweries in your community, regardless of what the natural disaster is, they have access to RO water, clean water. Um, as long as they are, you know, stand up individuals, they will fill your growler, they will fill your container, they will sell you a keg at keg deposits, whatever it is, um, at pretty, pretty easily. And, and this is really, it goes back to the foundation of craft beer. Um, they're willing to help. Um, and, and not everybody's in that position. Not everyone, unfortunately, has the ability to, uh, to pivot and, and put water into a tank or just pour directly. But most of the time you're seeing these craft breweries sort of jump in. Uh, big shout out to Candaid, which has already sent in something like 26,000 can, 12 ounce cans of water into the state of Florida ahead of the emergency. Um, beating out the big guys. I, it, I think it's amazing to see craft breweries sort of uh, rally together in times like this. As I saw that the other day. Out of a Dasani bottle. <laughs> I, I saw. I saw that the other day. I thought it was awesome. I ran the math. I think that's like eleven pallets if you're if you've got a hundred cases on each. Roughly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the the uh, the the fact that uh, that Oscar Blues related um, uh, program has always been such uh, a generous. Uh, program to help out people in need uh, no matter what uh like i remember them sending water up to flint uh for um when they were going through their issues there with just like their their drinking water and many times for natural disasters and such um so yeah big shout out to them Um, that's the news guys no thank you no seltzers this week thank you for that (laughs) phil no problem. Um, next week, next show, we will have seltzers. I promise. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Um, our Very main, welcome. our main topic that we are going to talk about tonight, uh, or on this show, is industry certification and education. Um, there's many different ways that I feel like we can get into this. Uh, when we go into certification, I think for people who are well known in the beer industry, not like that, you know, the, you know, them, but are well, <coughs> excuse me, are well entrenched into the industry. Cicerone certification comes to mind, uh, probably first and foremost, but I think that there's a lot more that goes into this industry you can become forklift certified <coughs> there's oh you mi- stole my most important certification in this industry <laughs> uh, you you threw that out when we were first talking about these topics so uh if you wanted a secret you shouldn't have thrown that out there um, You're right and there's tons of other educational bits that can be done the ba the uh, the brewers association puts out a ton of great stuff um uh, when it comes to uh, draft system uh, uh, and keeping keeping up with them, uh, food pairings, um, a, a lot of SOPs for or, or ways to create SOPs around your company. And I, I think that that is great. Um, so with that being said, um, let's let's talk about. Uh, the uh, 
Cicerone certification because really right now, Phil, you are like the highest one out of all of us that uh, as far as certifications in the Cicerone program goes, you are a certified Cicerone, which at one point was like the next to highest level. But now it's like now there's four levels, right? Yeah, they they put in an advanced just above the certified um, which separates from the master. So, um, the study process to become a certified Cicerone was pretty intensive, to be honest with you. And, and, and I really enjoyed it personally. I, I'm a junkie for knowledge. Uh, I'm consistently pushing myself. Um, when we talk about beverage certifications, just in general, I have a shit ton of notes sitting in front of me, but, I've been studying for my um, entry-level Court of Master Sommelier for probably the past two years, um, just simply because I want that knowledge. I want I, I, I want to be able to sort of put that feather in my cap where um, I've taken some college courses on the sommelier side. Um, or there's on, college courses on that? There's college courses on wine history and geography, oh, okay. I should say. So I've taken two semesters of wine history and wine geography and sort of trying to tie it all back. Um, but I'm not going to lie, the the studying that I went into for the certified Cicerone was pretty intensive. And then on top of that, to go through the tasting portion, um, and I'd, I'd like to think I'd have a pretty solid palate, but I'm not a very good test taker. Um, so when you're talking about the actual test itself, it was pretty intensive. Um, I think when we look at certifications and so uh, sort of fraying off into how this certification has actually impacted my, my career, um, I don't think that there's anything that it has done negatively for me. Um, I know for a fact it hasn't done anything negatively for me. That said, I think if anything, it just gives me a little bit more clout um when i go into the industry when i go out into the trade and i can say hey listen you know my business card shows i'm a certified cicerone i've studied i've you know it's basically it's the beer sommelier um and going through and talking about my knowledge of just beer history and styles and all flavors and things of that nature um i would I, if I was given the opportunity to do it again, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And the test has become progressively uh, more advanced. Um, the off flavors have gotten a little bit more advanced. I go back and I retrain whenever I find out that there's somebody studying locally and they're trying to do an off flavoring sampling or blind tastings or even just studying, I try and jump in with that crowd just to sort of refresh myself. Um, and, and that's sort of the difference between the BJCP, which is the Beer Judge Certification Program, and the Cicerone Program, where the BJCP program, you actually have to utilize it or you lose it, um, yeah. where you're consistently trying. Um, so it, I'd, I'd, I'm happy I did it. I'm looking forward to either taking my level one sommelier or looking at something like the society of wine educators, which covers wine, spirits, beer, sake, uh, coffee, tea, and cider. Um, so it's a little bit of a Jack of all trades. 
that's that's a really interesting one i've never i've never even personally heard of that um joel and i we're we're both certified beer servers correct joel incorrect you're not a certified beer server no yeah, you went know, to uc davis though well, right <laughs> <laughs> well that's very different um no, I took the sample quiz and, and aced it, and it was just something that I never paid the $69 or whatever for, and it got to a certain point where I had so much on-the-job training that it just felt like it wasn't necessary. I do regret not having it. Um, and you know you can still do it. I know. It hasn't um, like passed you up if you regret it. <laughs> it's about 45 minutes online. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You'll be good. I'm I'm confident you have enough knowledge. Well, I appreciate the support, gentlemen. <laughs> they give you a patch now, too. Ooh. It used to be just a pin and a certificate. You now get a patch. I didn't get a patch when I passed it. You no, can was... actually contact them, and they'll send you a patch, but you have to pay for it. Or yeah, it, Exactly. you got to pay for it. But, yeah, it, your somewhat certification has come through uh, extra... Um, education and you have done the accelerated courses at both uc davis uh and siebel who yeah. are two of the biggest brewing schools in the united states yeah i was very fortunate at my last brewery they really wanted to get me more into the science after i had a bunch of on the job training um whereas you know there's so many brewers who learned you know, after years and years of homebrewing five gallons at a time and then went pro, I think I homebrewed once and then uh, jumped right into a 15-barrel production system. So I had a lot of on-the-job training, and then uh, they were kind enough to send me off to UC Davis for a very intensive week-long course, um, which is amazing. And at the same time, it's way too much to squeeze into one week. Uh, one of the days was spent just going back and forth to Sierra Nevada. So, um, you know, I got to learn from Charlie Bamforth, the Pope of Foam, who is amazing. Dr. Michael Lewis, who has been teaching this, not only knowing it, but teaching it since uh, a year before Kennedy was shot. So, um, and if anything, you know, some of these uh, older, well-experienced instructors really um, instilled in me sort of the right values about beer when it comes to quality and consistency and presentation. And, um, that's something that, you know, can be very sorely lacking when we have as many breweries as we do. Uh, I did, uh, I was also lucky enough to win the, uh, Doble scholarship from the Florida Brewers Guild a couple of years ago. And, uh, that sent me to Siebel for two weeks in Chicago. And that was amazing as well, because, you know, you're sitting there getting taught water chemistry by Ray Daniels and, all just really, really awesome uh, courses and and very in depth, you know, science and knowledge. And I can't speak highly enough of the place. One thing I can tell you is that a lot of people who go to these things may not even be in the industry, or they may not be in any sort of production roles. There were a lot of people who were like, "Oh, I'm working for a brewery doing accounting," and they wanted me to come out here and learn this side of it. You know, it was, it was very strange. You'd have some people who they spent thousands of dollars to take these courses and they've only homebrewed like once and don't even really know if they want to do it. So, um, and, and a lot of these courses, go ahead. 
you know, there's something that you said there that uh, I, I definitely wanted to touch on, and I feel like this this is a great point to jump in, and I'm sorry, but uh, when you said that uh, an accountant was sent out by his work, like, they wanted me to learn more about this side of things, and the... Um, the trend of breweries wanting to pay for the further education of their employees. I think that this is a positive trend uh, that we are starting to see here. Um, the last brewery that I worked for, Moss Mill Brewing in Pennsylvania, they paid for anyone who was willing to take the certified beer server exam. Uh, they offered me, if if I wanted to be... Uh, to do BJCP certification that I they would pay for my class for that that they would do, uh, help me with with the Cicerone one as best as they could because uh, that one's a little more expensive if you want to go like full on through the whole thing um, but I, I'm starting to see more and more like if you look at like um, even just bartending jobs at breweries on um, uh, job postings you'll see people say Hey, uh, certified beer server uh, expected to be like expected to pass this within so many days and will pay for it. I think that this is a fantastic trend to see from breweries to ensure that your staff is dedicated to not just the company, but dedicated to beer, the industry, and that they're willing to put out the extra money to make sure that those people are educated properly on it. Yeah, Mike, you're 100% correct in full transparency. My certified Cicerone and my certified beer server um, all came, funding-wise, all came through Cigar City Brewing Company when I was working for them back in 2012-ish, 2013, somewhere. I, I, I'm trying to find my certificate right now to see when I actually pass my certified Cicerone. Uh, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to so assume I, you probably were around there. Yeah, but. I think I, I, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic that you're still seeing large, small, and different breweries sort of jump into this education. Um, yeah. Um, but this isn't just about certifications, uh, as we were talking about. This is about education as well. And and I guess I I kind of touched on that with. Um, breweries who are like, hey, go be a certified beer surfer because we're going to require you to be as such. And uh, the the BA puts out all of these uh, great little pamphlets on certain things. And uh, I, I just think that it's fantastic um, material for any type of brewery um, that they can pass along to, well, that the one brewery owners can educate themselves on brewers can probably educate themselves on and that, uh, they can pass along to their employees. Um, Joel, I know you've been a really big fan of some of these, uh, the, these pamphlets. Um, what ones in particular have you seen that you've really liked and that you've passed along to some of your employees or coworkers? Well, that's one of the great things that I think the BA is doing is providing all of these free materials, and they're constantly tweeting links to them as well. I mean, if you don't have the actual physical copies, there are PDFs available online. You may have to log in with your BA login. I'm not sure, but I'm sure any 
if you're not a I member. I think most of them are, yeah. Yeah, and if you're not a member, I'm sure you'll have a brewer friend who will hook you up. But uh, I really love the uh, draft quality manual. Um, it's really great for line cleaning, uh, proper beer um, dispensing and service, uh, you know, balancing your draft system, gases, things like that. Um, that's definitely one of them. And I think that's one of the ones that sort of falls by the wayside. People think, uh, you know, they've got great beer and don't really have to worry about that end of it. They just got beer on tap and that's it. But there's a lot of, you know, important things in that manual. Um, I know they have one on like, you know, proper storage and everything of, you know, your gas canisters and things like that, which is hugely important for safety. Uh, another one, the the fact that so many, and this is certainly a safety thing, but it's a thing that bugs me so much. It is so easy to just chain up your CO2 canisters, and so many people just don't do it. Yeah, Sorry. we have no, no worries. We have all of ours chained. I mean, the the mixed beer gas for nitrogen is chained to the outside of our walk-in. My uh, O2 for brewing is chained right to the wall by the mash tun. Uh, we have nitrogen tanks chained to our draft wine kegerators. Uh, you know, because that thing falls over and, you know, you may break a regulator or you may blast off the top of that tank and injure or kill somebody. So safety is hugely important. And I know the BA is very big on that with some of their manuals. Um, there's even this massive uh, brew pub manual that they have for free online that I've killed a lot of printer ink with printing out for people at my brew pub. Um, so there's so many, you know, resources available online, even if you're not getting certified there. And there are so many amazing books on just about every beer style, opening a brewery, maintaining a brewery, logistics, so many different things. I mean, the resources are out there. So, you know, lack of education is sort of inexcusable in this this time. Especially if it is something that you want, uh, like to say, I want to be in this industry and like, okay, you, you want to be a brewer, you want to be in the brewery working. Um, all right, become a, a certified beer server. I don't, I don't have time for that. That's not a fucking excuse. That's not an answer to say you don't have the time to educate. Uh, e- even if you pass it, I didn't like, I did not ace my certified beer server, uh, exam. I think I got a couple questions wrong. There are some things in there that you're you're gonna like scratch your head about and be like, "Huh." And and this is the entry level one. And this was uh, when I took it. I don't remember what year. Uh, after however many years of being in the industry, I I, I thought that it was a great exam, uh, especially for intro. And um, I I encourage everyone for starting off if this is really something that you want to do or even even people who've been in it for a little while go get that like it's 69 bucks uh, like like joel said and I, I think it's well worth it maybe your job will even pay for it if you're in the industry um ask your your superior if, if they'd be willing to do it i mean i think that a lot of them would be for you to be able to further yourself and if you are looking at going like all the way in the whole Cicerone program, talk to your employer about helping you out with that and, and really kind of sponsoring you because you're going to be a benefit to that company by having that. So hopefully they, they can see the, uh, the advantage that they'll have and by helping support you. 
I I and, think that there's a it, when you look at the beverage industry in general, it, it, regardless of where you are, you should, if you're passionate about what you're selling or what you're brewing or making, you should go down one of those rabbit holes of, you know, Society of Wine Educators, Sommelier, Certified Cicerone. Um, it, it, wine, <laughs> wine has literally a, a handful to two handfuls of nothing but certifications based off of where you live and and what you want to specialize in. Honestly, when we're talking about the beer industry in particular, there's some great resources out there. Micromatic, one thing we haven't talked yes. about. Micromatic yeah, certification yeah. is huge. Go through, you can actually take Micromatic entry level, I believe online, they have, it's part of the Cicerone program where you have to basically understand a draft system. It, just like Joel and Mike were talking about, like, draft systems are complicated. They're they're really easy, but they're also very complicated, and they can actually do some damage if you don't treat them properly. Um, in, addition, in, in addition to that, we joked about it, but forklift certifications are probably the most important thing in our industry. And there's a shit ton of free resources through the Brewers Association that you both touched on through craftbeer.com. And uh, I... Go ahead, Joel. One thing I was going to say real quick is just that the only thing realistically that you need to open a brewery is a fucking checkbook. So you don't have to have experience. You don't have to have knowledge or certification or any of that stuff. You just need to have the money. And some people really, you know, it's unfortunate, but some of them really think that's enough. Uh, You know, they'll just go out and hire who they feel might be the right people or whatever. But, you know, there is so much to learn and, and, you know, safety and quality and consistency and knowledge and equipment. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so many people just jump in thinking like, oh, I did this at home in my garage. So now I'm going to do it in a 40,000 square foot warehouse. And, you know, there can be some serious uh, issues that stem from that. So like I said, education is key. And I always tell my staff there's no such thing as like a level 100 brewer. It's not like you get all the knowledge and then all of a sudden you're good to go and you're like this, you know, knighted brewmaster for life. Like styles are always changing. Processes are always changing. There could be new equipment coming on the market. There's all different things to learn. So, you know, not only get educated, but keep educating yourself. Sir Joel of House Codner is correct. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, th- this is um, this is I think a fantastic uh, topic to be talking about because there's so many different directions that we can go on with this. So, like, let's continue a conversation like this online. Let's let's talk about it more on Twitter. So, add us at uh, let's at at United We Drink and let's talk about this more. Is there something that you think that we've missed out? on uh, talking about that is important for certification and education in the craft beer industry. Um, let's move on. We were very scant on uh, Q&A this week. We only have one question, so we're getting a little disappointed in you listeners. We know that you're out there. So uh, please do feel free to send us over questions that you would like to hear us give our answers on by going to our website, unitedwedrink.com slash contact. Use the contact form and send us over your questions. You can also tweet us 
uh, send us a DM on Instagram, on Facebook, or anything like that. Uh, the one and only question that we have right now uh, for this week is from a friend of the show, Ozzy. He sends us, uh, with the panhandle being the beacon of culture, I assume that that's supposed to be in quotes, in the state uh, of Florida, sometimes really awesome beer sits on the shelf for a long time. Does your three-month rule apply to higher ABV, ABV beers at all? Just asking because I was able to find a 2016 Marshall Zukoff from Cigar City, as well as their penultimate push the other day, thinking I hit the jackpot. Now, I'm wondering if it's going to be any good. Phil, we'll start with you. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I personally have both of those bottles, uh, or both of those vintages of Zukov and Penultimate. And my personal seller, um, I love Penultimate. Um, I think it's one of the best beers, fresh as well as aged. And Zukov is one that I, as much as I love that beer, fresh uh, I think two to three years of age really is where it shines personally. Um, no, no, don't. I, it, so we talked about day codes and we got sort of tongue lashed by a, a friend of the show as well. Ed Roberts on social media and through text messaging, um, last week, <laughs> like, why didn't you guys have me? Um, that said, uh, I, I think honestly you have to look at the style and listen, at the end of the day, uh, the brewery tells you, please consume this beer within 90 days, 30, shit, I've seen some that are 30, um, 30, 90, 120, a year, whatever. After that, it's a roll of the dice, man. Um, you're, you're taking a gamble. Um, I, I would go higher ABV. I'm sitting on a Thomas Hardy ale that I plan on opening with these two guys. Um, for my 40th birthday, it's from 1982. Um, beer's old as shit. Um, I'm pretty positive it's past its prime, but that said, um, I expect a little oxidation. I expect a little cardboard out of that. Um, I, that beer I, when it's five years old has a lot of oxidation. <laughs> and can you imagine when it's 40? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and and really, at the end of the day, it's it's all about the experience. I'm sitting on the brewery, the 12 years of Christmas right now. And I think the first year was like an Imperial White Ale or something like that. Partridge was really not a beer really made to age. Um, I know what I was getting into. I know that that beer probably isn't going to taste at prime when I open it up with my friends. But uh, beer's an experience. Go out, have fun. That said... The brewery can't really guarantee it past what they recommend. Um, I'll jump in next, and uh, like the the whole aging of beers thing is a really strange thing. Uh, it's a it's a thing that sometimes I wish I didn't know and didn't experiment with as much as I did. Um, you'll hear a lot of people say ABVs are important as far as it comes to aging beers but shit you don't want to um age out a nine percent double ipa uh as opposed to a nine percent imperial stout abv style uh what else is in the beer adjuncts of anything all of that comes into play 
with these uh, sorts of beers. And, you know, there's no catch-all answer that I can give to something like this. For the two specific examples that were uh, given in the question, Ozzy, Zukov and the penultimate push Zukov, you're probably going to be good on um, as long as those beers haven't sat like ridiculously warm. Um, I, I think that you're probably going to be okay with them. Uh, but there's just so many other factors that go into this with finding aged beers. Um, I, I think what it, what it really comes down to is if there's something that you see, and I know it's probably not great for spur of the moment purchasing, but Email the the brewery, contact the brewery and be like, hey, I just saw a three-year-old bottle of one of your beers on the shelf of a place. Is this good for me? If you're not sure, ask them. I mean, they'll probably be able to give you the best answer possible out of anyone. And I will quickly echo Mike's sentiments because he pretty much said most of what I was going to say. It does depend on many factors. For me personally, the way I love coffee beer, I would drink that penultimate push rather quickly because I feel like the coffee will die off sooner than just your standard Zukov. Um, that's just my personal preference and opinion. Um, and just like Mike said, you know, like I said on the last episode, my favorite beer of the year so far is a 10% double IPA. I'm not going to wait three months to drink that. I want to drink that as fresh as possible. So alcohol is not the only, you know, preservative factors there. Those hops are going to die off. Um, and, you know, it, it just depends on so many different things. And, and the one thing I'll disagree with Mike on is something I also kind of said on the last episode where no one needs to waste their time contacting the brewery and saying, hey, can I drink this? I feel like if you're sitting in a store with thousands and thousands of bottles and cans, you're probably just going to, like, not take that chance and move on to a safer bet. So that's that's the only way I would disagree right there. But like I said, there's just there's so many factors. Um, so that's another thing where like education comes into play. Like what do you know about this beer? What do you know about this brewery's QAQC standards? You know, there's a lot of great larger breweries out there who have labs and make sure that these things can last six months rather than three months. So maybe, you know, a, a three-month-old Sierra Nevada Pale Ale will you know taste a hell of a lot better than your local brewery's pale ale you know in in three months so yeah it, it, i actually just got another question and we can touch on it real quick come across on instagram uh friend of the show byron says are there any risks at using white claw or truly or boozy waters as mixers instead of soda water Who's starting? Well, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's soda water with alcohol. So, yes, there's more, you know. Okay. I think it's 5.5% <laughs> or 5%, 4.5, somewhere around there. Between 4 Guess five what? and That's 5. Guess what? That's still right? 5% higher than using just fucking juice or water. All gas, no brakes. All gas, no brakes. Guess what? There are laws when drinking White Claws. Yeah. Uh, don't tell the cops that. You think um, they'll do like a Christmas spiced Santa Claus? <laughs> that, but that's already. I was a, waiting uh, for the punk, pumpkin spice seltzer, but nobody put there, it out. It's out. No, it's out there. But <sighs> isn't Santa Claus a, uh, a a Three Floyd's beer? 
Um, Alpha Claws. Alpha Claws. Oh, okay. Alpha Claws. That's right. That's what it was. Um, all right. Uh, moving on. It's time for last calls. Time for everyone to get their little moment in the sun to be able to say what they will, what they want, uninterrupted, unopposed. Um, this week, let's start with Phil. What's your last call? My computer froze. Is that me? Mine too. Who you? Who did you say? <laughs> I, I, Phil. Apparently, Windows needs to update, and I'm gonna go on a last call in regards to that. Oh. I'm tired of updates. Um, I well, I went last show, but all right, no problem. In a similar trend to, uh, <clears throat> and sorry, too many, too many huevos, and uh, wow, that sounded really bad. And wild basis. Are you all right? Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm just preparing for a hurricane. Um, in a similar trend as other dying historical things, <clears throat> such as the Dewey Decimal System, map reading, memorizing a phone number, pay phones, <laughs> and so many other things, the standard or manual transmission is nearly dead in the United States. In a day and age of self-driving cars, automatic transmissions, and electric vehicles, this endangered species is nearly extinct. Extinct, sorry. Um, in the United States, less than four percent, four four percent of new cars and used cars sold on an annual basis are purchased in this manual transmission. This is a shame and a travesty. If you don't know how to drive a stick, have someone teach you. It's a beautiful art. Get out there, get on the road, grab the stick, and shift away. That said, stay the fuck away from my clutch. <laughs> I don't even know how to how to follow that up. But uh, for me, I'm just gonna. I want to give a big shout out to all of the uh, folks and breweries in Tejas, Texas who now can officially legally sell beer to go as production breweries becoming the final 50th state that allows that to happen. Yes. Big, big applause to the state of Texas for finally getting with the rest of the country. Um, if you were a brew pub, you could sell beer to go. Uh, but if you were a production brewery, you could not. So um, I'm really, really pleased to see the the state legislators finally getting with the program and doing that and allowing awesome breweries like Austin Beer Works and uh, Real Ale um, in Austin sell beer to go. Um, the it's a long time coming, guys, and we we applaud you. We give you high fives. And now Texas folks, go out there and buy some fucking cans and bottles. From your favorite craft brewery. <laughs> oh, God, I wish we could rebut each other. Um, so I'll be real quick and I'll say with a couple of sec, a, a couple, a couple of exceptions. Lots of hurricane preparations here tonight on United We Drink. Shut up, Phil. Poten <laughs> potential hurricanes. Uh, yeah, so anyway, with. The exception of a few, fuck food trucks. Last night, <laughs> last night my wife and I got a f you know food from a food truck outside of a brewery. Two small dishes, thirty two fucking dollars. And you know 
Remember when sliders were supposed to be like the small, convenient, like not so big burger option? And now you get two sliders. It's 15 fucking dollars. There's no fries. There's no chips. There's no nothing. Like I felt totally raped last night. I, I don't even know how to explain how infuriating it was. Like she got some sort of tostada thing. It was basically like a paper cup full of arugula that was all soggy and shit. And I just like you. I I understand the expenses that come with a food truck, right? You got your your mechanical repairs, your gas, your propane, paying someone to cook while you're you know running your fucking square on your iPhone, and you know, like, was it really necessary to have an LCD menu on the side? Like, how much more are these goddamn sliders because you had to mount a TV to your fucking truck? Like, just get a chalkboard, get a dry eraser board. Of course, they're, you know, out of half the shit that, you know, they have on the menu when you actually walk up to the fucking thing. And now, $32 for, we were starving when we were done. And we ended up going to, like, you know, Duffy's. And we 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 went to Duffy's afterward. We got two full-size burgers with fries and three beers, $38. $32 at the food truck for jack shit, $38 at the restaurant. I, you know... You're not washing dishes. There's no busboy in there. There's no waiter. Like I, I don't, I don't know where you get the balls to charge that much, but I'm fucking over it. There's a couple great exceptions out there who are reasonably priced and put out, you know, an amazing product. But the rest of you guys with your fucking fifteen dollars sliders can drive off a cliff. Well, on that bombshell, I believe that it is time to. Uh end this show uh we'll give some uh i'm gonna head to my local food truck and support (laughs) all (laughs) some moments for uh a time to tip your bartender uh phil is there anything that you would like to plug this week yeah um my myspace page is up and running so please visit me and friend me at myspace.com backslash dosbeerigos um outside of that you can follow me on linkedin Oh, you're not Tom? No, I, I. Well, right now Tom's my only friend, but what? Uh, it it is up and running. MySpace.com backslash Dos Perigos. What song plays when I go to the page? I haven't updated that yet. I'm waiting to see how many friends I get. But it's probably going to be a Leakin Park track, maybe a Limp Biscuit. So every little thing you say, Joel, is important uh, right now. Uh, what would you like to plug? <laughs> um, I am Florida, D-U-H, Brewer on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, come see me at West Palm Brewery. Let's have a beer and a pizza. Um, I will uh, plug myself at Mike Loves Beer on Twitter and Instagram. Also, I want to give a big shout out. I, I neglected to do this um, last week and it was all my fault, but I want to give a big shout out to Moss Mill Brewing, uh, my former employer up in Pennsylvania. I, I love the team that is up there. I love and I'm proud of the beers that we made up there. If you're ever in the Philadelphia area and you want some awesome, like well-crafted, well-made beers, um, that that the people care about the quality, please go uh, support those people because I love the hell out of them. Um, 
As for the podcast, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at United We Drink. We're on Instagram at United We Drink Pod. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash United We Drink. We're also available on all of the major streaming services as for listening to this show. Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Radio Public, anything really. If there is a service that we are not on that you typically listen to your podcasts on, let us know and we'll try our best to get onto that service. Um, actually, I just got word last week that we're on iHeartRadio now too. So didn't even submit to that. So I don't even know how that worked. But uh, here we go. Next episode, we're going to talk about beer and food pairings. Woo! Ooh, I think this is this is going to be a fun one. Um, but not food truck we, food. <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. Maybe we'll get a food truck person on here uh, to surprise <laughs> Joel. Um, so I think that that's going to be a really fun show. So make sure that you subscribe to the show. And uh, therefore, you can get new episodes every other Thursday. And uh, also, unitedwedrink.com. That is the website. Oh, yeah. And make sure that you head over to our store, unitedwedrink.com slash store, where you can get T-shirts, uh, stickers of the logo of also the uh, Jacuzzi Mead shirt. Um, so go do that right now. Support the show. Um, we appreciate that. Um, for everyone here, thank you very much for listening once again. We'll catch you next time. Go ahead, you assholes, and say that thing. Goddamn, be safe out there, people. Cheers. Hail Satan. Hello, everyone. Oh. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have fun tonight. <laughs> <laughs>